Sports Ethos New York Knicks podcast, Andre Gallagher. Took a little break, but I'm right back at it. The Knicks are hot still. Remember talking about it right around the midway point of the season, maybe maybe a little bit past that. The Knicks had one of the more difficult records going into the second half of the season, and things were looking for looking bleak for people who actually recognized that and weren't just stuck in their fandom. Things didn't look great in terms of schedule, and the Knicks rocked it. They rocked it. Sitting at 42-30, and 30, 10 games remaining in the season. Listen, the Knicks just have to maintain. Are there things they need to get better at? Sure. Should, I want to see more of this, and I wish this guy would do this. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's done. What? I, th- this is who they are. This is who they are. Good and bad. And it's more good than bad. Give them credit. Give them credit. I've been saying all year long, this team was a 500 team plus a minus. I was wrong. This team is way better than that. Their record is way better than it is. There are more losses the Knicks sustained that they like legitimately shouldn't have than wins that they just lucked in, into. Like wins like my, that Miami win. Right? This team has dominated uh, teams throughout games. You understand? They've lost more leads and they've come back on. This team is a good team. Now, what are they going to do in the playoffs? I don't know. They're sitting in the, as the fifth seed right now. The Nets stumbled a little bit. The Nets stumbled after the trade, and I thought they would play better, and then they started playing better, and now they stumbled again. They're about right back. They're about right where they are. They're, this is the type of team they are. The, Net, the Knicks should be able to hold off the Nets for that fifth seed. It would be a failure if they didn't. The Nets are not going to fall asleep. I think the Nets are still, I think they might actually stay in the top six seeds, which would be an impressive run for them. But enough about that. I don't think the Knicks, I think the Knicks are sitting about two and a half games behind the Cavs. I don't think they're going to catch them. With all this talk about the Knicks, nobody's talking about the Cavs. I, that's a bad, to me, that's a bad omen for the playoffs, but we'll, we got plenty of time to get into that. The Cavs have been just rolling along. They've been kind of matching the Knicks in terms of winning games. And again, the Cavs are supposed to be a better team. Let's not forget. Just because they're sitting right next to each other in the standings doesn't mean that we forget the Cavs are supposed to be a way better team than the Knicks. Don't let that don't let that narrative shift on you. The Cavs are supposed to be way better than the Knicks. And so so Miami should have been way better than the Knicks. Atlanta, go down the line. A bunch of these teams are supposed to be way better than the Knicks. Give them credit. They deserve credit. Give them credit. Give them flowers before they go into that playoff series and lose. And then you act like the whole season was a failure because that's what's going to happen. And you're going to hear it from your own, from the Knicks' own fans first because they're trash. I'll be the first one to tell you, Knicks fans are trash. But we got to take care of a little house business when it comes to the Knicks. Mitch Robinson, last week, Mitch Robinson is, he's, he's, um, he's a little bit immature, but... He's, it's a little too present on social media. I, I'm not a big, maybe like get off, you know, that kind of get off my lawn type of personality, I guess. I'm kind of maybe that guy. But I don't like guys who sit on social media all the time and do the whole cryptic post thing. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't care what anyone says. It's one thing to post on social media all the time. That's one thing. You talk about that all day long. 
But people who do the cryptic post thing on social media, I hate it. If you're going to post about something, just say what you're posting about, man. Don't just post, it's going to be hilarious. What? What? What's going to be hilarious? What are we talking about? (laughs) This is going to be a joke. I'm so sick of this. Sick of what? Tell me what's happening. But, to his credit, he actually posted what was on his mind and then quickly deleted it. Okay? And I had a little conversation with some NBA fans about it. And they were kind of stuck on the notion that Hartenstein was taking his minutes. And I think that was misguided. I don't think this is about Hartenstein taking his minutes. Because Hartenstein, just a week or so ago, Hartenstein had a... I'm not going to say it was a bad stretch. It's just he was not playing... He wasn't. He was not outplaying Mitchell Robinson, so he did not outplay Mitchell Robinson in terms of minutes. That's the way Tibbs operates with most of the roster. Not everybody, but if Mitchell's playing great, it's not about playing good. It's about playing. You playing great, you're going to eat into Hart's minutes. If Hart, if you're playing great, you're going to eat into Mitchell's minutes. If both of them are playing great, it's going to be about even. It's going to be uh, Tibbs's gut. That's pretty much how Tibbs operates. There were a stretch of games where Hart didn't necessarily, you know, he, he wasn't playing poorly, but he didn't, he didn't stand out necessarily. And Mitch did. And then there were games where Hart, Hart stood out and Mitch didn't. And it was right around that stretch where, you know, the most recent stretch right before last game where Mitch made those, those comments. And I don't think this is about playing time. This is about Mitchell Robinson. And I talked about this all year long. It's about Mitchell Robinson not getting the ball ever. All right, the Knicks are a terrible pick-and-roll passing team. Let's be honest, they're last in the league in assists, so that pretty much supports that. Part of the reason for their poor pick-and-roll offense is because most most of the guys in the team, sans Quentin and RJ, and I'll, and I'll get into RJ in a minute. So that basically leaves Brunson and, to a much lesser degree, um, Randall. And, of course, IQ, when they come off those screens, first of all, the screens aren't always great screens, so that falls on Mitch. And Mitch doesn't always read the role and take a good angle. He doesn't take a wide angle to get a to give the passer a passing angle when they go to the rim. Um, because it's not a great screen, the ball handler doesn't always come downhill off those screens. They're kind of spread out wide a little bit, so they don't put pressure on the rim off the screen. And then the weak side corner man drops down to tag the roller when the Knicks run screen offense, and that ball very rarely finds the weak side corner. Brunson doesn't make that pass. Q doesn't make that pass. RJ doesn't make that pass. RJ, the reason why it works more when RJ does pick and roll with Mitchell Robinson, not that it works often, they don't do it often, but when they do it, you tend to get some lob opportunities for Mitchell's because RJ a lot of times attacks from the angles on his screens, whereas the Nick point guards attack from the top of the key. I believe personally attacking from the angles, at least on this team, it's easier to get offense out of it, but they don't do it very often. But RJ tends to do it from the wing. So he gets pick and roll from the angle. And because they're doing it from the angle, he gets better passing angles. He gets better driving angles. So RJ tends to find Mitchell a good bit. 
I think another reason why that opens up is because that's not typically where the Knicks run their screen offense from. So it's not scouted as hard, right? When you run it from the top of the key, not only is that something that every team does, but the personnel you're running it with, that's pretty much how they scout you. Like that's, this is what the Knicks do every night, but they don't, what they don't do is RJ wing pick and roll with Mitchell for lobs very often. So it's not on their scouting reports and, Quentin Grimes is a guy who is just excellent at getting to the rim. And this is one thing that a lot of the guards don't do too. They don't attack the rim and give the impression they're going to finish strong at the rim and then change their mind the last minute to set up the big man. They don't really do that. Brunson, when he attacks, once he gets into the paint, he's in range to score 65% of his shots. (laughs) just about right so he doesn't need to get to the front of the rim and same thing with with the iq he's just not quite as efficient but iq doesn't need to get all the way to the front of the rim he's looking for his floater so when you're doing that you're not really again you're not attacking the front of the rim making the big man commit and then finding the screener i mean yeah finding the screener on the roll you're not doing that whereas a lot of a lot of teams and a lot of players, when they attack on the screen, they're trying to get to the front of the rim. They're making... So because that's the case, the big man is desperately trying to keep them from get, getting there, which a lot of times opens up that pass, right? The Knicks just don't... They're just not good at making... They're not good at making the pocket pass when you don't get to the front of the rim, but you do get a guy on your hip, and then you start rolling. That pocket pass is open for most teams for... Players like Brunson and and um, IQ don't always get to the front of the rim. That pocket pass would be perfect, but they don't throw it. Maybe because they don't feel like Mitchell has great hands for it. Uh, maybe because that weak side corner man is always in the area. But the Knicks really don't get great offense out of their high screen and roll. They just don't. It is the staple of their offense. All it really does is gets the ball moving, gets the defense moving, and creates opportunities and openings that they're looking for. But it doesn't create the easy dunks for the big man that a lot of people, a lot of big men would expect. And, and again, their primary penetrators aren't very good at creating that opportunity. Brunson is, is excellent, but once Brunson's in the paint, he's in range to shoot. And frankly, that's just not, that's not quickly strongest skill. His strongest skill is not driving and creating opportunities for other guys. Okay. Sometimes he gets trapped with that dribble. You saw that in the last game, which is why RJ came back in again. RJ played a, a decent game last game. And you saw RJ against Denver and you saw RJ come back in the game down the stretch. That's why. I talked about this a few times. People talk about Hart and whose minutes he's taken and how he's taking RJ's minutes. He's taking Quentin's minutes and you guys complaining about it. The primary culprit in taking those guys' minutes is IQ. Okay. It's IQ. You got a point guard who's playing. You got a point guard who's playing shooting guard because he's he's been excellent. So he's taking and Hart is going to be on the floor now. Hart is that guy now. Do you want Hart not in a game in, the, in a close game in the fourth quarter? Like, be serious. The only reason why Quentin Grimes isn't playing is because of IQ. It's not Hart. Because RJ does not deserve to be in the game down the stretch of these games sometimes. And his defense has been much better. Give him credit. Give him credit. Been much better. 
than it was before. He's been a lot more attentive. You know, he hasn't been, you know, have his, has his head up his butt the way he did before. Okay. But back to Mitchell, back to Mitchell. I'm a little off track here. He doesn't get the ball when he has mismatches, never gets the ball. He pins guys down under the rim. Nobody passes him, passes him the ball. It's maddening to me. When the Knicks do their little actions at the top of the key with their dribble handoffs and, and you know, pass the ball, play, you know, hot potato at the top of the key to get, get the ball moving from side to side, Mitchell never has the opportunity to, you know, pull a Draymond Green and fake a dribble handoff and turn the corner. Obi should be doing that too. For years I've been saying that. They should be they should be given the freedom to make reads on those plays to see if the center is asleep and they can turn the corner and finish at the rim. Tom Thibodeau asks Mitch to do a lot, and he talks about it all the time in his post games if you watch it. He deserves an opportunity to make a play here or there. He deserves that opportunity. This is not a situation like, and just to make it an awkward comparison, like Cam Reddish, where, oh, that's not Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish is not being allowed to play his game and blah, blah. Cam's Reddish game, Cam Reddish's game is a little bit more complicated than what you could probably do to make Mitch happy. All you, all you need to do is let him slip a pick and roll every now and then. Okay, let him slip. Let him, when there's a mismatch, let him pin down his man and pass him the ball and see what he can do with it. Down the stretch against Denver, when Julius, you get Aaron Gordon up in the air on a pump fake and a step through, and you're afraid to shoot down the stretch because Joker's in the area. There's an opportunity there to pass it to Mitch and allow Mitch to make a play. And I understand you don't have the utmost confidence that Mitch is going to make a play around Joker around the rim. So, But the problem, and this is like a bigger problem with Randall in general, is that Randall's trying to make executive decisions on who to pass to when a, a obvious pass is called for. I think that's his problem is that once you don't make the obvious pass, then the options start to close off. And then now everybody's hawking the pass you're going to make and they strip you and they, you know, you turn the ball over. That's why he's like one of the leaders in the league and turnovers down the stretch of games. You get yourself in a situation, either manipulate the situation so that the pass that opens up is a pass you want to make or you make the pass that's there. You can't just, oh, I'm not going to pass to Mitchell here. I'm just going to keep pump faking and moving around and, do something stupid. Mitchell is the pass. You got to trust him. And those are the type of plays that I think drives Mitchell crazy. You know, he's asked to do a lot. The center and the Knicks defense is asked to do a lot. In every defense, probably. But especially in a, in a system that the Knicks run. He's not going to get a lot of easy opportunities because of some of the other players limitations and because of maybe some of his own limitations, but it doesn't mean the opportunities that are available to him. He should not take advantage of. And I've been saying this all year long. If you've been listening to this show, they need, they needed to have given him a few more chances when he has mismatches, create a few more opportunities for him. If he's going, if you're going to ask him to work that hard, frankly, and that's what he was beefing about. I don't think it's about minutes. I don't think it's about Hartenstein. I think him and Hartenstein have a pretty good relationship. If you read between the lines when you're in the court, Mitchell is not 
You know, he's not the team. He's not a rah rah teammate, but he seems a rah rah with Hardenstein a good bit. You know, the timing of Mitchell's complaint was a little unfortunate with the Knicks playing well. You don't want to see a guy complaining he doesn't get the ball, but you know what? There are opportunities there. There really are. And the Knicks have had a a couple days off. They had a couple days off in between games before the Denver game, which is a great win, by the way, against them. A great win. If they had lost, I don't think it would have been a big deal. Like I said, we're past the analytical stage of this season. We're past the test games. We're past all of that. This is who they are. They're capable of beating pretty much any team in the league, and they're capable of pretty much losing any team in the league, but but they don't do it very often. In this last stretch of games, opportunity to put a few teams to bed, playing some of them at the fourth, like I said, fourth easiest schedule for the rest of the way. This is no more test games. There's no more, let's see what they do against the, the better team in the West. No more of that nonsense. Because you can make excuses. At this point, you can make excuses for every win, every loss. You can you can couch it and, and, and nuance it to death. It's not about that. It's about maintaining your position in the standings, advancing if you can, and just preparing yourself for the playoffs. And as a Knicks fan, that's what you should be looking at. Instead of trying to fire Thibodeau because you don't think he's a championship-level coach. Like, I'm so sick of this. The Nick, the Nick fandom is in Nick fandom is in shambles. I said it before. You guys are conditioned by the media to only judge the Knicks by their ability in your mind to win a championship. That's it. Like you don't get to have the fun that other fans have when their teams are competitive and winning, etc. You're you almost act like the Knicks have been on a treadmill for four years with the same roster, and it's time to shake it up. Like that's a thing. I get that. That's not really true for this team. So like, how, are you, how are you getting there? Yes, the Knicks were in the playoffs three years ago. It was a different team. You may feel like it was a different team. It was a different team. You know why it was a different team? Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson. Okay, simple simple as that. Don't tell me about nothing else. Don't talk about Julius Randle. Don't talk about RJ Barrett. Don't talk about Quickly. Even those guys, it was light years ago. Quickly is head and shoulders better than he was when the Knicks went to the playoffs a few years ago. That's why it's hilarious listening to Knicks fans trying to take credit for calling for Quickly to play more. Like, Quickly ain't been playing this whole time. He's been playing this whole time since he came into the league. By you acting like you were calling for Quickly to play the same way Cam fans were calling for Cam to play, the same way Rose fans are calling for Rose to play, Okay, same way McBride fans are calling McBride to play. Obi fans are calling for Obi to play. You guys attach yourself to your favorite players and then you want them to play all the time and then you backwards you backwards logic your way into explaining why they should be playing. And Quickly is a great example of that. As good as Quickly is, he's a great example of that. Of that. He was good as soon as he came into the league, but last year he took a dip. Now, last year, we can honestly say that Tim screwed up. The front office screwed up with Kemba Walker. It was a big deal. And, but quickly did not play well. He didn't. And you could say you should have just thrown quickly out there and, and dealt with whatever you were going to deal with. Because putting Alec Burks at point guard just wasn't the answer. The Knicks weren't going to go anywhere that last season. So what was the point of that? That's absolutely honest. The absolute honest truth. But the fact of the matter is, he didn't play well. And if you don't play well, you don't get to say you should be playing more when you're not playing well. I, I don't. I I'm not gonna dismiss the logic 
of playing more allows you to find a rhythm, get comfortable, and maybe your production will increase. I'm not dismissing that logic at all. You just need to understand that when you don't play well in the time that you're given, it is in the NBA, in real life, it is difficult to make an argument that you should be playing more. You should be getting more time. The only time you make that argument is when your team is not going anywhere and they don't have anything to lose. And that's where the Knicks were pretty much halfway through the season last year. And that's why I was on Thibodeau to to not play quickly more. You should definitely have been playing him through whatever troubles he was going through last year. And he did. And then towards the end of the season, you saw quickly play more and play better. Give him credit. But quickly also needed to get better. It wasn't just a question of playing more and getting better. He needed to get better. He didn't play well. He played the same amount of time in his rookie year and was way more efficient than he was in his second year. So it wasn't how come how come he had to play more to shoot the same percentage he shot as a rookie? No, he wasn't playing well, period. And you don't get to sit here and pat yourself on the back because Quickly's playing well now. Quickly's a better player across the board he's stronger he talked about it he, he wanted to put weight on he put weight on he's a stronger player you guys dismissed improvement and you dismissed a coach that is responsible in in large part for these players improvements i'm reading guys want to fire tom thibodeau listen this is not about telling me how bad julius randall you can't win a championship with julius randall we're not this is not the time for this now not if you're a Nick fan. This is not the time for this. This is the time to enjoy the ride. You're going to the playoffs. You're going to have a winnable first-round matchup again. What can the team do? After that playoff series, you want to jump back to the general casting, casting aspersions viewpoint of the team? Sure, go right ahead. But you are past that point now. You were past that point. I even had a friend of mine. This was, a, this was about a month ago. This is a friend of mine who was still trying to take a long-term general view of the team. It's like, this is not long-term time, term general view of the team time. This is the playoffs. This is about getting to the playoffs. This is why you're here. You guys worrying about tomorrow right now. This is not about worrying about tomorrow. You do that before the trade deadline. Do that in the offseason. Right now, enjoy your team. What is the matter with you? Richard Jefferson called it out. He said, Nick fans hate on the Knicks more than anyone else. And it's absolutely true. Why are Nick fans arguing about how good R.J. Barrett is right now? Okay. When R.J. Barrett plays well, it's like, I told you so. When R.J. Barrett plays terribly, it's like, I told you so. Like, listen, can you just look at his numbers and gameplay and acknowledge that he can get better? Hmm? Can you just root for him when he's playing well? Can you just do that? If you've been listening to this show all year long, you know I've had plenty of criticism with Julius Randle. But once Julius Randle started playing more defense and giving more effort and being efficient, you didn't hear me sitting around killing Julius Randle. I mean, I still picked out when he did things wrong, but Julius Randle was a vital part of this team. This team is not as successful without Julius Randle. Let's talk about how Julius Randle should just sit down and you just play Obi Toppin. Like, what? Julius Randle's one of the best forwards in the league this year. Do you understand that? There aren't that many forwards in the league doing what Julius Randle is. Like, there's literally like a handful. We're talking about forwards and centers. There are probably four people who are playing better than Julius Randle is. Four. Across the board. Talking about rebounds, assists, 
He's top 10 in three-pointers made. No, he doesn't shoot a great, a great percentage, but he hits a ton of them. Who's rebounding 11 rebounds a game? How many 11 rebounds per game guys are there? You appreciate what the man is doing, man. Appreciate what he's doing. You can you can criticize when he doesn't do well, sure. But don't let's not like, get off the, the Knicks will never win with Julius Randle. I hate Julius Randle. Like, what are we doing right now? That's not the, this is not the time for it. This is not the time for it. He's not going anywhere before the playoffs. So it's 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 done. It's done. It's done. Get get over it. You still got Nick fans talking about Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish is a minus one hundred plus. Over 100. He's a minus 100 with Portland. You guys, he gets a 15-point game, and you guys posting his stats and highlights. Are you serious? He's a minus 100 with the Portland Trailblazers. Do you not guys not get it? You don't get it yet? I'm not going to say the hard trade was a steal. I think that's an overstatement because it was a first-round draft pick involved, so it's not a steal. <laughs> Knicks paid handsomely for Josh Hart. But the, what he adds to the team, if you don't see that, then you're still talking about the fact that Cam Reddish can score 20 points if you give him enough shots and you ISO and get out of his way. Do you see how Cam Reddish played against the Knicks? I'm not rooting against the kid, but he got a shot blocked twice. <laughs> like, he wasn't doing anything impressive. He didn't do anything impressive against the Knicks. He really didn't. Okay. He got to the front of the rim, and Hartenstein sent it back. Meanwhile, Josh Hart was dominant in all aspects of the game, all the aspects of the game that too many of you just do not respect. You respect the isolation highlights and the dunks and the fadeaway jump shots. You don't respect the rebounds, the boxing out, the defensive rotations, the digs, the pushing the fast break and, and probing until you get to the front of the rim or create an opportunity for someone else. Josh Hart, he, he's making quickly an even better player because he doesn't make he keeps quickly from having to be on the ball all the time and, and puts him in more of a scoring capacity. And you saw that was something that the Knicks have taken advantage of day one with Josh Hart, who has point guard abilities, putting the ball in his hands so he can initiate offense so quickly can play off the ball and be a little bit more effective. He's a perfect he's a perfect addition for the team, and I think that the team would be a considerably weaker team if he was injured. Period. So in this next 10-game stretch here, the Knicks just need to they need to stay healthy. And Nick fans need to get their head out of their butts and enjoy this team for what this team is right now. And we can start preparing the Knicks. This game against Denver, the reason why I'm not spending a whole lot of time on it is if the Knicks had lost this game, it wouldn't have been a big deal to me. Knicks just need to keep this fifth seed. If they can get the fourth seed, great. They just need to keep this fifth seed and stay healthy. Don't develop bad habits. Everybody keep working on their jumpers. That's what the Knicks need to do this next 10 games. I'm not judging victories anymore. You guys said, oh, it was a measuring stick against, a uh, measuring stick game against the Denver Nuggets. Oh, man, it wasn't no measuring stick game. It wasn't no measuring. The Denver Nuggets missed a ton of open shots in that game, okay? The Knicks need to clean it up, keep getting it, keep, keep grinding, keep working, and keep it moving. They played the Timberwolves. Tonight, you know what? They lose to the Timberwolves, same thing, same drill. All right, they already beat the Timberwolves. This is not a measuring stick. This is none of that. Just play your game, develop good habits, and let's keep it moving to the playoffs. 
and keep and keep working on what you need to do to beat this Cavalier team, which is a good team and are setting the Knicks up for a disappointing end to the season because there's too many people who are picking the Knicks over the Cavaliers because the Cavaliers are flying under the radar right now. And they got plenty of reason to come into this game with a chip on their shoulder or come into that series with a chip on their shoulder. The Knicks play the Cavs, I think, at the very last game of the season. I don't know how big of a game that's going to be. Maybe it's for the fourth seed. I think that's pie in the sky right now. Um, I don't think the Knicks are going to want to the Knicks and Tom Thibodeau, they want to win every game, but they're not going to give away a whole lot of strategy and, you know, desperately throw, you know, the kitchen sink at the Cavaliers and win that game, unless it was for the fourth seed. So I'm not going to make a big deal out of that game coming up, but the Cavaliers are very capable of beating the Knicks. They have all elements necessary to beat the Knicks, even though the Knicks have played well against them this year. Uh, played well against Donovan outside of the big game he had the first game they played. I don't I don't go into that series with any level of confidence, and I think it's a build-up to tear-down situation that everybody keeps picking the Knicks against the Cavs in that series, especially if they can't even get the fourth seed. And people are going to see this this year as some, some sort of failure if they don't win that series, when in reality it's not a failure. The failure would come in the offseason if they didn't dramatically improve. But again, we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about the Knicks fans needing to enjoy this ride right now. We're going to come on a lot more this last 10 games. I'm going to start watching some Cavs games. We're going to do a little bit of Cavs talk over these next 10 games because it looks like that's going to be the series the Knicks are going to be preparing for. We're going to start looking into what what the Knicks need to do against that team in that series. Obviously, the Miami Heat, they're going to come – play the Knicks a couple times in these next uh, this next stretch of games. Those games, unless the Knicks go on the win, losing streak, Knicks go on the losing streak, listen, we're going to have to have a whole different focus to the show, obviously. But if the Knicks keep keep grinding and doing what they're doing, they're not going to move too much in the standings. Miami's going to be beating on their, on their front door, trying to get into that six seed, trying to outplay the Nets. The Knicks is still going to play hard. Like, they're playing for the number one seed. That's the way Tom Thibodeau is. I just want this team to get better at doing the things that they've been that they've struggled with all year. Things that they can get, things that they can tweak to add efficiency to their offense. The offense has been very well, but things that they can tweak to add some efficiency to their offense. And I want I want to continue to see the Knicks adjust defensively when somebody is really giving them a hard time. Something you've seen a little bit more of this year. So. We're going to be ready. Make sure fantasy playoffs for a lot of you guys. Make sure sportsethos.com. You check it out at sportsethos on Twitter at ethos Knicks. Until next time. <laughs>